everybody, welcome back to episode 32 of Rich State of Mind. In this episode, we are interviewing Kevin Grimes. He's coming back from season one, so we're going to go over some things that we uh, talked about a few months ago, him being a, a new homeowner, and some of the trials and tribulations Amir and I have gone through as real estate investors. There's some good tips that I think y'all all can learn, some things that we learned along the way as well. And I think that when it comes to trials and tribulations, good and bad experiences, there's always something you could take away from it. So please enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. All right, Kevin, welcome back. You'll actually be uh, episode two of season two. So welcome back to season two. Uh, really appreciate the conversation we had last time. Uh, but for new listeners, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? My name is Kevin Grimes and I'm a realtor and a homeowner in Westchester, New York and also do real estate in the Bronx. Uh, father of one son and god man. That's me, that's who I am. That's what's up. And so we talked about a lot about uh, Westchester last episode. And so um, just, you know, what what the market was looking for, you know, what what people, either real estate investors are looking for or just uh, homeowners looking for a primary home, uh, what they were looking for in that area. So if you could now, you you know, you have a personal experience. How was that experience in that area? And uh, what could you tell us about that? Well, it was a life changing experience. It's an experience now that I can not only help guide others through, but also give my personal experience to say how it went. And it was good. It was it was definitely a scary situation because it was doing the, when we discussed how every house was up for on the market was going into bidding wars and the price was going higher and higher. I locked up to get a deal in which the client was focused on just getting the deal done so they can move on to their next property. So mm-hmm. I, I lucked out and was able to, to get the job done. And uh, so what type of um, home did you get? Uh, just a single family. Single, single family. family. Yeah. The next one later this year will be the first investment property. And so uh, what what type of um, what type of investment property are you trying, you trying to get? Single family? You're trying to get a... No, multifamily. Uh, multifamily? Multifamily. Yeah, trying to jump in CLA. Yeah, yeah, I, I love multifamily. Uh, I, for for Mira and I, we actually kind of switched up our game a little bit. So uh, we spoke briefly on how we wait. We was waiting on the market to change a bit. Remember? Yes. Right. So the shift. Yeah, yeah, the shift. So February haven't really seen the shift 
haven't really seen much change at all, actually. And so March will make a year when things kind of got crazy with COVID and everything like that. So I'm interested to see with the individuals that will put on those leases, those 12 month leases, right? Let's just say the, the, the last end of it would have been people that got their income tax checks in March and April. And now they're on the end of their lease, right? So I'm interested to see what's going to happen after March and April once those individuals, their lease is up. Because now it's no more. I could let, as a landlord, I could let you go now because your lease is up. It's not COVID related. And I'm not going to renew it if you haven't been paying. Yeah, but they can still be a holdover. Yo, so if they're hold, so there's some sail- uh, sailors, I'm thinking about the Navy. There are some tenants that yeah if they want to gamble and do that holdover i don't know how what's the uh highest you can go holdover in new york but in virginia i can go up to 150 percent yeah so so if they want to do that i got i got a tenant now that's getting out february 28th because they're not trying to play that gamble yeah that once once you do get them in the court it's game time yeah so yeah she already you know, i know they that. extended it you can't you can't really bring anybody into court no time soon I think the next time they said you can bring someone in court maybe June. Yeah. It's, but by, it's that, like, by that time, they can owe you, they can owe you so much, but it's still a gamble. Like I said, they if they want to take the gamble. And it's a gamble for the landlords too, because I gotta still go after that money. So I gotta pay a lawyer. Yeah, lucky for me, the lawyer that we have, she plays a she she's a flat rate. So she's like for 855, I'll go after your person. So if it makes sense. <laughs> If I'm trying to go after five grand, I'll I'll pay eight fifty five for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if it makes sense to the lord uh, to the landlord, but it's a hassle, right? Like I got to chase this person down to garnish them and stuff like that. Uh, so it's a lot of cl- clean up. Some some people just be like, "Yo, I'm I'm good. I just want to take my I'll take the uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I just pray they didn't mess up my my unit. I'll take the security deposit and whatever little money was left over. You know. Because um, for my situation, uh, my tenant was uh, claiming that there was black mold in her bathroom, but really it was just mildew. She wasn't cleaning her shower. And so she was like, you know, trying to rally up as many people as possible, you know, through the city of Norfolk in Virginia, uh, saying that, you know, pretty much created a tenant assertion. And But part of the tenant assertion is if you are not paying, putting money into the escrow and doing your part, then you have no, you have no, really no, yeah, you can't, you have no leg to stand on. So she paid one month and then they stopped paying. And then it was very clear to the judge that like, come on, man, like, what are you doing? They, this was your laundry list of things that you said to get fixed, which I don't even know how these things got broken. I don't like cabinet was hanging off. Like this place was for, uh, newly renovated before they got it. So how all of a sudden your cabinet, your cabinet uh, doors are hanging off. I don't know. You must be hanging from your cabinet doors. Uh, It was just stuff that just didn't make sense that I know uh, personally I took care of myself. Uh, So learning, learning experience on that one. uh, And moving forward, I would say for people that I would say people that have a day jobs, get a property manager because having a property manager saves you a lot of time. I would not have the time to go to the court as many times I've had to deal with that tenant. I think they've went to court like four times and yeah, going back. Yeah, they but to see adding a property manager as that, that second layer that I like, I don't want to have that direct contact 
that part too. Or for there to be any confrontations, you know, because that's one of the things a lot of people say, make your first property should be an investment property, a multifamily, so that it pays your rent. But you also got to know yourself and know, you know, I'm, I want to come home to my peace of mind with my son. I don't want to have to worry about a tenant knocking on my door anytime of night, yelling and screaming. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Not- I, I agree. And some people, they're good with, they're good at that. I'm not, in this person's case, I went over to the other unit just to um, get it rent ready. And she asked to speak to me. So when I, you know, I spoke to her, um, she gave me her side of the story or everything like that. And I'm, I'm not there to uh, go back and forth with her because that she's handling stuff with the lawyer and my property manager. So after my, I told, you know, my property manager and the lawyer, Hey, look, I'll let her, she could leave right now and I won't charge her early termination fee, but I would like the money that she's been putting in escrow. And so, you know, her, her, um, she didn't like that deal because she was saying that she wouldn't have money to, to uh, go on to another, to move. I'm sorry, ma'am, but that's not my problem because you've been staying at this place and there's no way that I'm going to let you just, you know, live there for free. We have bills to pay too. I think I spoke to you about this. Like, I think a lot of times they feel like landlords are like millionaires and we could take, we could eat it. Like, no, we have. I understand what it takes to, to, to maintain a property for a month. They, they wouldn't be able to. It's not easy. You know, and that's something that I think about every day with wanting to become an investor next is, am I ready to take on that type of responsibility? So one thing that saved us a lot in this past, it's been a year, going on about a year now, is the fact that we have reserves. Without reserves, we'd be crushed. we really be crushed. And without us being creative and thinking outside the box, and this was something Amir and I was just speaking on, um, about... 60 70 percent of the rent that's been paid in the last year has been through government funded or community funded programs that we helped our tenants sign up for and so that was just to kind of get them through the rest of their lease um and then we assess so like for one tenant right now we've assessed her we got her to get all the way paid up through a program that i helped her sign up through she has not gotten a job in those four months that I got that program to pay rent for. And so that was my determination, not including the other six months that she didn't work either. But with those four months, I was like, it's clean slate. Let's see what happens. I ain't get a job yet. And you had to communicate it. So I told the property manager, hey, go ahead and put the 60 day notice in. We gave her uh, a gimme. You know, the company paid thirty five hundred dollars worth of rent for her. So you got four months to hit the ground running uh and figure something out yeah and that's 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 a great i've never heard of anyone taking that initiative to assist their tenants because there are programs out there that are that will assist you i just haven't heard of any landlords taking that initiative to do it so i like that thinking outside the box yeah i mean like i said we got we got bills and so i refuse to pay my mortgages out of my own pocket you know what i'm saying so if i can't get the tenant to do so then uh okay Section eight, right? So once I started thinking section eight, because I saw somebody on YouTube talking about insulating their real estate business and how they do so by making it recession proof, pandemic proof is section eight. Um, outside of that section eight, there's other things like down here, we have a program called Four Kids. Uh, and it's not even for people with just for ki- with kids, actually, it's, it still supports people. And they 
based off income, based on what you're willing to do. So minimum they'll do is four months. The most they'll do is 12 months based off your income and situation. I got two new tenants actually about to go into uh, two other units through those programs. So I've been actually working with four kids for about six months now. Wow. So that's something I got to keep in mind too, is just, but you know, even programs have been given a bad name because of some bad tenants, right? I think it's just like anything else in this world. You get a few bad people, a few bad apples, but you still have to give everyone the opportunity to, to grow. You know, you just have to interview the individual and make sure it's the right fit. Yeah, exactly. And exactly what you just said, because a lot, most of these tenants, all of them starting off were privately, they were getting, they had their own jobs. You know, they weren't being subsidized through government programs. And, you know, some of them end up being bad tenants. It could be the same thing with the section eight. And like I said, with these four kids, uh, they may get approved, but nobody does a character test. You know, that, that's, that's not part of the being accepted into the program. What's your integrity like? But even with a cash client, right? You want a cash client, you may get a good vibe off of them. You never know. Once people are in your properties, they, the sense of entitlement takes over. You don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, some people I know, they they do a vetting process. Like they really sit down and have lunch with them and uh, interview them. And based off that interview, that's how they determine whether they would like that individual in their home. Or what they do is when somebody applies, they ask to interview them in their home. Yes, I have heard of that. Where people have asked to go in your current home yes. and, and get a vibe of how do you live? <laughs> how do you live currently? See, I'm not that comfortable going from the house. <laughs> and this is pre-COVID, but that can be an option too. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. And I'll definitely be reaching out to you and your wife for ideas and different tips because, yeah, remember how we talked in the last podcast was how to insulate yourself to be able to sustain through no matter what happens. Sounds easy, but life just isn't that easy. No, it's not. It, it, like I said earlier, it requires you to get creative. And uh, it's it's been a big learning lesson for, for us because I feel like if you could get through this as a business owner, as a landlord, then I think moving forward, you now you got the tools to know how to survive. Correct. So it's not some, I try not to look at so much as like it was a setback, but more as uh, now I know a whole lot more than I would have if things was going sweet. I agree. You always learn more. You always learn more in hard times, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And so, moving forward, what we decided to do is, because uh, we're not really trying to buy a hole right now, we want to wait for uh, the money to stack back up. But what we want to do is, is we were looking for a local flipper. Um, one thing is we wanted to get into flipping, but I'm not. I don't have really the time nor the the experience to do it on my own the first time. So what I would like to do is I have, you know, some money that I can give an uh, another investor and I want to partner up. I want to learn what he or she may know and get comfortable a couple of times. I'll take my 10, 15 percent interest because I got my stake, too. Yes. But <laughs> I'll take my 10 to 15. Don't yeah. get insisted now. I'm going to yeah. take my 10 to 15 and learn at the same time. Yeah, I'm not to just yeah, I'm just not just giving them 10 grand to learn, mm. you know, but. In the meantime, get comfortable with that because I've heard a, a lot of stories how flipping is not easy. Uh, it's not, especially if you're doing hard money, knowing that you got someone you got to pay that money back to. You got those points, the interest that you have to pay back. Yes. 
scary. It's, it's definitely a risk. I want flipping. Flipping's on my list um, as part of being an investor. I just want to just take my time and just the the, the support system that I'm going to be working with. Just you know, some experienced investors who have done. One particular guy I'm working with has done 40, 50 projects. Some he's kept, some he's flipped. That's the person that's teaching me and going to show me how to head for the sky. And the big reason why I want to do flipping is not necessarily because I don't like the fact that you you only make the amount of money that you make every time you flip. It's not really passive. But the real reason why I want to learn is because of the Burr strategy where mm -hmm. I can flip it and then I hold on to it, rent it out, and then I got mad equity in, in it. Correct. And then also, too, um, Amir and I are looking at, we, you know, we'll be expanding our family soon. She's expecting in August. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And so you got to get a bigger house. Uh, so, so they have a, yeah, yeah. So I'm not trying to, so we look at the homes that we like and it's just like, yo, do we really want to pay that type of mortgage? No. So what I was thinking was we do a two or three K loan. Um, the VA has a two or three K loan. It was shut down cause of COVID, but I'm assuming by the time, you know, the baby's around that maybe, um, it's back up because you know people getting vaccinated and stuff like that yes. so I'm, I'm gonna do driving for dollars i'm gonna drive around find the ugliest house on the best neighborhood and i'll be like that one we'll do we'll two or three k loan it fix it up and then we'll have equity into a home it'll function uh, functionally it'll have the four bedrooms that we need four bedrooms three and a half bath and then we'll have i've only would have put let's say paid a hundred and then put down you know 70 grand into it so now we're looking at 170, but then the neighborhood lowest house is worth 350, you know? So now we got, it's not gonna be our forever home, but I got a house now that has over hundred grand in equity. That's what I'm shooting for. It, it takes care of our family as far as our needs. And when we need to move, I can sell it and we'll make a profit or we could hold on to it. It, 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 would, it would work out to hold on to it because it's a military family area. So mm -hmm. it's, gonna, it's gonna rent out. Yeah, as soon as you yeah, as soon as you need to rent it, you could just rent it out. Yeah, this is military heaven. Like all all four branches are here, so uh, it would probably work out on that aspect. Okay. So that's that's us moving. That's our future. Um, how we looking at right now? Really been working on the um, the uh, podcast slash YouTube. So we took like a we're taking like a it's not a one month hiatus because we're still working, but it's. it's stop with the episodes moving forward so we could focus on everything. I had a, I had a guy interviewed yesterday. I think you like this. I interviewed him yesterday and he said that a lot of times he drew like a graph and he showed, he said in the graph was energy and he had five different directions of our, how we spend our energy. Like we try to do everything right. And then he Correct. drew one sphere with energy in the middle of it and just one arrow. And if you would focus on one thing at a time, you be able to be more effective and efficient in it and probably get it done faster. Yeah, I think that's the book um, one thing where they tell you to put all your energy into one thing to accomplish instead of five different things. Yeah, it's called one thing. I'll write that down. Didn't know it was the name of a book. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll send you. I'll send it to you. So how's the uh how's the realtor side been lately these last five months? Uh, still up and down. Um, it's getting a little bit slower, but it also depends on the market where you're at. Um, my buyers seem to be a little bit more shaky and taking their time 
even though they want to move from where they're at, they're like, ah, I'm still scared to jump into something right away. So, but I still have a couple of buyers closing and getting the job done for 2020. Yeah, because what is everybody's fear like? What are they afraid of for 2021? Because 2020 was like unprecedented. Like we thought like things was going to go down, but it was still, stuff was still good. So. And then now the numbers are going back up. Now with the vaccinations, they feel like the world is coming, is starting to work towards the normalcy, but they, they're not a hundred percent sure because we, we still don't see the numbers going down. So we don't know what's going to happen. I think 20, the way 2020 was, 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 what's the word you want? Monumental, where you didn't know what was going to happen. We're still in that same predicament now, but the uncertainty is they just don't know whether or not they're, some people know that they want to move and they're ready to get into a home. Some people are saying they just want to hold on to their money and see what happens in the next few months. Because the interest rates are still low. Still low. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause um there's there's solo. I was thinking about um refinancing one of my properties, but one of the kind of the golden rules I kind of learned was if if you can't pay it back within if you plan to sell your home within five years, which is Don't usually when exactly. So and I plan to sell that home. I, I it's a headache. So <laughs> yeah, it, don't, don't refinance it. Yeah. Cause it would it would make our it would it would make our um, monthly payments down probably like by a hundred, but the amount of money you pay back is just because you'll roll in the closing costs and stuff like that. It wouldn't be worth it. Cause uh, the idea is to uh, eventually, when I say eventually, looking at twenty twenty two is my dream is commercial real estate. We want to uh, fold our five unit five units into seven to eight. So we have how much equity? Got about sixty thousand grand, sixty thousand of equity in one uh, the duplex, okay. and about about thirty in the other one. So I need to get up to about a hundred grand proper between the two of them before I could start looking into buying a seven to eight unit. That's what I need. Seven to eight unit, and also to have what like a storefront or. Oh no! It's just it's just a seven eight unit. It's a seven eight unit. Nothing. Yeah. Straight residential. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be dope. But we don't really have stuff like well, we do in downtown Norfolk, but I think all those got ate up in 2019, 2018, 2019 was crazy in this area. That's what the deal I got. I will I won't get right now. Mm. Yeah, I would not get that deal right now. What I got, it would uh my house I bought for one thirty nine. That triplex is worth one seventy seven right now in the last two years. So I won't be able to, that's why I was, you know, at, at other people's expense, I was waiting for the, the housing market to go down. <laughs> that's why you came back to me. You wanted to know, if it goes down, I want to be ahead of the, I want to be ahead of the curve, ready to go. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, because uh, this, you know, I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm waiting because there's so much opportunity for growth and I can't I can't sit here and talk about everybody's circumstance because there's so many different variables out there. Mm-hmm. But my mindset has shifted. It's different than it was in the 2008 recession. I think now I look at obstacles as opportunities. And so the people back in 2008 that took advantage of the housing market crash, they looked at that as opportunity and now they're better from it, right? It's only 12 years later. And a lot of them, 
just one property they bought for hundred grand is worth already a million. Um, and that's just sitting around, sitting around for 12 years. Um, there's some people I know that bought homes in LA 2014, 2015, and now those homes are worth a million. So learning to be patient, learning how to time. Um, and that's something just investing. I learned cause I, I, we, you know, we invest in stocks and that's something I've learned. The behavior is to learn how to be patient. Uh, do not, do not get distracted by the shiny object. Yeah. And see, this is that's why I don't get into stocks because I'm the type of person, if I wake up and I see a number going from here to here, I'm jumping ship. I'm not, I, I can't see my money going from here to here overnight. I'm jump, I want out. You gotta you gotta be patient. Um the only thing, so I don't know how, what you've heard. Like, you, have you heard about the GameStop and the AMC stocks? Yeah, and anybody who I know who, you know, I have some friends and family who are heavily involved in stock. And when it first was happening, we was talking, you know, they were trying to get me involved and they're going crazy about what's going on. I'm like, leave me out of it. Just, <laughs> just leave me out of it. They're like, this is crazy. I don't understand. I'm like, see, this is why I don't do stocks. But the game has changed now, and you have to. I'm actually trying to look right now what the GameStop stock is worth right now, because I don't think it'll ever be the same again. It's worth 50 bucks now. So it went from a, it was like a 300 dollars. Yeah, it was 380 at one point. Now it's back down to 50. But it was three dollars before this all started. It was like three dollars. So I don't think that stock will ever be the same because you made believers out of a company that didn't change anything. Uh, but it was crazy because they actually they were supposed to be a dying company. And because you have a bunch of people with money that was pretty much making the stock market uh, casino, pretty much that's what they made it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gambling casino. Putting, putting money on putting money on, the, on on red and look what it turned into, right? Yeah, you made millionaires overnight. People that had stocks of GameStop stocks for years. It was just really sitting and was like, whoa, now I got $2 million. I'm cashing out. Exit. <laughs> Exit. <laughs> so well, who would I, ever was, know? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you don't have a, you have a crystal ball. Yeah. like, And that's one, what I, I don't like about stocks is anybody can be involved. People can change the full financial outlook. And they're just playing around. Right? Yeah, the way it shifts and changes around. Yeah, and that's why I try to stick to, um, like right now, Zoomedica is one of the companies I, I, I invest in, and they uh, provide they'll be providing equipment for veterinarians to do uh, particular scans on um, pets, you know, animals, and so like that's a big deal uh, for the veterinarian market. I wasn't even, didn't know nothing about it until maybe a couple months ago and I started doing research and it's really highly anticipated. Or oh, I don't know if you heard about Dogecoin. I did that just for fun. Oh, Doge, oh, so Dogecoin was a cryptocurrency that was made to be, make fun of real cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum or Lithium, something like that. So they made it as a joke based off the dog, the Doge dog. And now the... I guess you could say the irony is that they are trying to legitimize, legitimize a, a cryptocurrency that was made to be a joke. You've had three major companies that have now 
ex now accept that coin as currency. Um, and you even have Elon Musk, who's been, uh, and Mark Cuban, who have talked about it on Twitter, which skyrocketed it up. So I bought it as a joke too, to play around. I bought it at a quarter of a penny. Mm -hmm. And I had about 30,000 shares and 30,000 shares buying a quarter of a penny. Uh, it Now it's worth eight cents. And I have like three grand when I only bought like, you know, I was, like I said, I was buying it a quarter of a penny. So another one of those things where like, you don't know, you got to just have a gut feeling. Like some, some are automatic, like Apple, Apple, Tesla, it was automatic. Over time, those are going to just... You just hold on to those stocks. They're about as good as real estate. Yeah. But uh, some companies, uh, yeah, you're really taking a gamble. That's why I like real estate more. To be honest. Like I'm, not, I'm not investing. I'm not. I, no one has got any stocks yet. I'm not, and I'm, and I'm going to stay away from that. You'll, you'll catch me in the real estate field investing before you catch me doing stocks. So I was. thinking about um getting my real estate license when um i transferred from my my command i'll transfer in may and so a couple of people that I, I interviewed i think it was after you they talked about how that they intend to use or have used their commission as a bargaining tool with closing costs so they'll say hey uh i want to get this house from you for 30 grand, I know usually, I know you want 37. How about I don't charge you any commission uh, or, you know, you know, on the closing costs. And then that's how they settle on that deal. Yeah. If for, for lower properties, yeah, that, that could work. I haven't came across anything in New York where you can use that as a bargain because, you know, you're dealing with five, six, $700,000 homes. So, yeah, I, I can see that if you're buying smaller row houses and try something like that, I can see that being a bargaining tool. Not in New York, though. Not in New York. As you say because it's so high, the commission is so high? The amount, yeah. So if, you, you know, if you're looking at a $5,000 house, let me, just like I love to do, I love to bring up the calculator. Okay. So if you're looking at a six, say, Six, let's do, let's do 550. And you're doing a 5% commission, 27,000. Yeah, ain't nobody's giving up their $27,000 commission on that. But I could see that being a bargaining tool on a smaller deal. I could definitely see that. I wonder, I wonder what would make me want to give it a 27 grand. Like how that deal would have to be so sweet. It had to be a, some type of steal where I saw something that the the seller the seller did not. Yeah, yeah, you would definitely have to because it would have to work out for the seller, right? The seller knowing the lower the amount that they're selling the house for, the lower the taxes they have to pay on on that transaction. True. That's why you can use that as a leverage tool. You won't have to pay me lower the price that you're selling the house for helps me out, but it also saves them from paying the taxes on the higher amount, especially if they're flipping it, the flip tax. Yeah, because I know some I know some people, they do the, the 1031 exchange, which they were afraid of Biden was going to take uh, get rid of uh, once he took an office, because nobody likes to pay capital gains tax, especially on deals like that when I'm making 70, 80 grand 
Uh, I had a, when I did try to get my real estate license in um, California, I had a, the broker was teaching the class and he said he owned about 72 doors and he was making a joke. He said, for those of you that are uh, Democrats, once you start making real money, you're going to, you're going to see why Republicans uh, think the way they think, because when you start paying taxes or uh, when you say, Hey, uh, I'm going to make $72,000 commission. And you realize out of that 72,000, 27,000 going towards taxes. You'll never see it. 27, you'll never see it. You'll see the number, but you'll never see it in your bank account. He said, your perspective will change. And I was like, yeah, when I thought about that, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna feel some type of way. I made 72 grand and 30 grand of it being taken away. Yeah, but as you, as you do, the more business you do, you learn the number isn't always the number, right? That's the biggest thing you learn when you start making the more money you make, the more taxes you gotta pay. And more of the bigger, the bigger piece of the pie always goes to Uncle Sam first. And that's why I wanted to learn a lot about taxes because I, I've seen on bigger pockets they talked about part of wealth is learn knowing taxes, or at least having a good accountant. Taxes and credit. Taxes and credit. The more, the more you learn, and that and that's one thing I didn't miss in my last podcast, that I do have a credit repair company climatescore.com, so check that out, is once you learn the importance of your taxes and your credit, you learn how to use that all together to leverage and when you're not using your own money to get these property and to do certain things, because you have your credit. Yeah. Right? And one of the things with the, with, the, with the taxes is knowing how to start using your business credit so that you can write off more things. Yes. Yes, and I definitely got educated a lot more last year when it came to um, the business credit, uh, having an LLC, difference between the LLC and the S Corp, and um, how those- Big difference. Yeah, things get spicy. Yeah, things get real spicy when you get the S Corp. And I I can see where, uh, where they're coming from. I can see why some people, if you don't have, I guess you, if you're not righteous in, in, in a particular way, I can see how you could take advantage of a lot of the loopholes and opportunities when it comes to those being in that in that part of the uh, business world. I was <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but I will let me tell you what I will say. Right when even when they start talking about how Donald somebody or any of these other individuals don't pay taxes or only paid hundreds of dollars in taxes is because they understand, their accountants understand the system. Yes. That's all I'm gonna say. I, I would, <laughs> this, is what I, this is what I will say. I, so they always talk about taxing the rich. And one thing that I will say is I'm okay and this is, and I say this because I hope one day if I'm, when I become wealthy, I would like for this to be taken consideration. If I am providing a service to my community or to the world, right? I'm providing jobs for thousands and millions of people. Then why shouldn't I get a tax break? Correct. That's how I look at it. I'm helping the economy because of what I have created or what I provide. But why you can't? You're, and I get what you're saying. You want to get that tax break at that level. But what about if you just employ four people? 
Yeah, and so this, I, I mean, obviously, I not, should I not be able to take care, uh, take advantage of those same tax breaks if I'm employing four people? So I think there should be tiers to it. I think there should be tiers to it. Uh, hey, if you have one to 50 employees, this is the tax breaks you get. 50 to 100 or 150, you know, that's the tax breaks you get. So, you know, companies like Amazon or Microsoft, obviously they get the probably the highest tier there is uh, because they provide jobs all over the world. And it should, it should go like that. That's me in a simplistic way. I'm not an economist. I don't know how much money it takes to run the country and how much of taxes are really being spent wisely. But that's how I would look at it from a businessman perspective or a woman's perspective. Yeah, but you said you've done your homework. So you understand the difference between the LLC and the S-Corps. Just knowing that type of information will change your whole mindset on even the way you live, right? The way you spend, the way you spend and the way you pay your bills, you think of things a little bit different because now you're trying to figure out what you can write off keeping your receipts, keeping track of the money that you're spending. And that's one of the keys to wealth as well is understanding and watching your spending and know what you can write off and what you can't. Yeah, so build, I've been building my folder because um, it's about that time to start doing um, taxes. And uh, where's my book at? Actually bought this book, uh, the book of tax strategies from uh, Bigger Pockets. So I'm gonna read this trying to brush it up a little bit more. So when I talk to my um, my bookkeeper, uh, I want to make sure that I'm educated as well. I, I, read, I looked, listened to one of the podcasts where they said like, you, we don't, ex you as the business owner, not expected to be an expert in all of these fields. You know, your lawyer, your property manager, your acquisitions manager, like you're not expected to be a manager, I mean, or an expert, but at least be able to have a conversation with that individual and understand what they're saying. Correct. You know, <laughs> right. So it's just like being a CEO, right? They say a, a good a CEO shouldn't know every single department, but a CEO should know how to interact. And what I took that to mean is when they say interact with each department, it's just knowing a little bit about what they're doing. So they're not talking over your head. You have no idea what they're saying. So that's something that I read in a book too, saying, just be able to interact with each and every department to know what's going on, make sure a good CEO and a good leader. So mm -hmm. reading up, one of the things I'm learning is like you said, you read, you hear these podcasts. One thing I love about these podcasts is you're learning from different fields and different areas, right? Like what you do in your podcast, which I love is you get different experts in different categories and you just listen to them, right? Even if you take one or two things away from that podcast, you're adding that on, that value into you to when you have to put it to use, you have that knowledge. Yeah, and that's what I like. I like the fact that um, as long as you get one idea, and that's what they were saying about books too. As long as you got one or two ideas from a book, then you didn't waste your time. Because uh, you'll find yourself, huh? That was gonna say like today, right? I hope people, if it, I, I would want them to walk, walk away from this podcast saying home ownership is important, understanding your business, understanding credit and understanding your taxes, important things. So you walk away with those three things from today's podcast, you've done your job, I've done my job. Yeah, because leverage is everything. You know, leverage is definitely a, a big scheme into this because I think we, talk, we talked about how much the properties are worth in New York. And it's like, you know, who's sitting around with $1.8 million just here, boom. I know. Uh, <laughs>
You um, know, you mentioned that one guy, you said had 12 million to just to pop off, but you know, that's not, that's not everybody. And if you do got 2 million sitting around, you probably be better off splitting that up into four different uh, properties versus putting it all into one. Mm-hmm. Or understanding how to leverage that amount, like how you keep saying leveraging your money into the right properties and the right deals when right now everyone's not putting that amount of money out there. So just taking advantage of what's going on. And then one thing too, so from this podcast, I like how um, we actually just reached over 1100 plays recently. So people are listening. Uh, One thing that I really want is to get the form going on um, on our website. Cause one thing I like about the bigger pockets form is that you got people just constantly sharing their experiences, constantly sharing their experiences on situations that you would have never thought you would have experienced. Like for me, I ne- I read so much about real estate for like five years. And then when I bought one of my properties, somebody stole a copper out to sell out of one of the HVACs. And I'm like, I never read about this. This is something <laughs> completely new. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a we got a new HVAC. Um, it was actually part of the deal. So the, the the seller was actually very generous in that situation. But he was saying that people steal copper out of HVACs to sell, I guess, for drugs or whatever the case may be. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was, people get that desperate. So uh, I, I have a I have a secret. After after we finish this podcast, I'm gonna give I'm gonna tell you something that someone put me on to that I want you to do down there, and I bet you it will probably change your it'll change a lot of what you're doing because the I don't want to give it away to everyone, right? <laughs> but having that dialogue into different industries. Okay. Like the forum is very yeah yeah very useful, and I and I'll show you. I'll, I'll I'll give you something after this that I'm I'm jumping in for myself and what my team is working with me on doing. That if you do it in your area, I'm sure it, it will change everything that you're doing. There was so I'm glad you you. They reminded me of something that you said that you said you was working with like single mothers, right? And that's, so that's one of the things I'm, I'm working into is you. So when you brought that up, I talked about it to uh, another guy that, that invested in real estate uh, a couple of episodes after the fact. And he said that one thing that he didn't realize was such a market was a lot of single parents. Most of the time, right? Single mothers. And what's the m- main thing that single mothers are looking for? Safe, right? Safe, safe, Security. really. Safe security. security for their family. So he said when he would market his units, he would, that's the key thing he would say, safe and secure for the single parents and elderly. And that would bring, that brought a lot of people in. Um, and I tried that. And I got a lot of single uh, moms actually that were inquiring about my units. Um, and I would sit there, I would uh, actually show a couple of the units to them. And so just just a little tidbit, there's, you know, I'm not saying this based off the area that you live in, because I've only ever bought real estate in Virginia, but it definitely works for that demograph, you know, the elderly or single parents, if, uh, because those are the two key words they're looking for, safe, quiet neighborhood, safe for kids, stuff like that really attracts those type of people. Um, and you see how the conversation we had transformed into another conversation. And it's just all learning, right? And that's that's what this podcast is about and why 
I love talking with you is just building and understanding, take this conversation, add it to another conversation. You never know where, where it's going to get you and what you're yeah. going to do bigger and better things. Cause it's just small right. things. It was just small words that you just add and it changes the trajectory of the people, the leads that you get. And it was just a small change. And he's actually, he, he's a marketer. He builds websites for companies and uh, he, it's all about the wording and certain pictures for him. And so yeah. he was saying, he's like, if you don't know what to put on your website, put a baby. He says, uh, statistically people click on babies. They just love babies. <laughs> so I, I, I use that to help build up my Instagram actually. For, with your son? No, not, oh. not even with my son different i would do cute baby of the day once a week oh wow and it built up my it helped build up my following that's a, that's a tip <laughs> now understand doing that you're going to get a headache because people that you personally know would get mad at me and say all right i think my my kid is the cutest put my kid up there and then i wouldn't do that i would never put up a baby that i knew because People are opinionated on social media. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. I don't want anybody to get offended by someone's opinion on their kid that they're not the cutest kid of the day. So I would never put up a kid of someone I personally know. So that's just a tidbit. So tidbit to build your social media and to get people to uh, go to your website. Kids and dogs. Kids and dogs. Yeah. And now beautiful homes. I had to stop because everyone, everyone's doing that. Every realtor now is putting up pictures of a nice house to get your attention. So I stopped doing that. I've added a twist to it. So that's, you know, that's what everyone loves. Pictures are nice. So I, yeah, you're right. Because um, we, we interviewed uh, a couple that do home stage. Well, they flip homes, but they also do great home staging. Mm-hmm. And I was asking, I was asking them because I'm thinking when I do my first flip, I'm just worried about flipping it, and then somebody's just gonna be impressed by the new kitchen, like we talked about, right? Get the mm-hmm. kitchen to pop, boom! Wife is gonna be like, hey, "Let's get it, baby," and you know, s- certain other things here and there. But they were telling me like the difference, the the inv- small investment of let's say twelve hundred dollars to home stage, they were able to get away with the slightly inflated price of the home because of how they homestage the house. So yeah, I homestage it for 1200, but I probably got it six, seven grand over the average in that neighborhood and I could get away with it. Correct. And if you see on the TV shows, the flippers all have staging, right? The reason why, and this is not, uh, this is just my, my personal view of it is, once you've already invested this money into it, you don't have the time to sit around and wait for the right client to come in. Nope. You want every single client to be left with an impression and want to make that offer as soon as possible. Nope. Yeah, you, you're right. You, you know, and so that's why I, it is important. Cause you, yeah. Cause you are dealing with that hard money lender. Cause you, you are, that hard money lender is like, yo, where's my money? Where's my money? And so you send it like time is ticking. And they were saying with the home staging, it was a difference within a month. Like without the home staging, take me 30 days with home staging people day or two. I, I, they get in, they're getting offers. Yeah, the first open houses. And that's why they do it. I think, and that's another reason why they do it on the TV shows too, is to get that instant response. An empty house, they got to envision where their couch will go. <laughs> they got to envision Easy. how the TV will look or how the bathroom when everything's inside, but having it all there for you, you might make a few changes, 
but those interior designers, they didn't, they didn't do the best possible job to get the right feel and the right response. So yes. Definitely. And you're right. You're definitely right. Cause that's the thing envisioning it because um, what, what she was saying was that they have a, it's got to the point now where they have like a warehouse mm -hmm. and uh, they have like a storage unit where they, they interchange the different pieces of furniture. Uh, it even got to the point where they saw a, a mattress store throw away a fresh uh, mattress that they just wasn't, you know, I guess it, it uh, wasn't selling. He was like, Hey, you need that? You know, Hey, y'all threw it away. Can I just take it? They're like, yeah, we'll test take it. Took the mattress out the dumpster and used it for home staging. A queen size bed. I was like, I would have did that too. That was uh, smart. That was smart. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a pretty cool idea. And I was thinking about doing that because when we moved from the condo that we're in now, we're in a three bedroom, two and a half bath condo right now. Mm -hmm. So when we moved from that, I was like, well, what are we going to do with this furniture? Because I would like new furniture when we move. So we was thinking about Airbnb. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by the Airbnb. Uh, Market. Yeah, I heard because. there's like some restrictions where you can only have one. I don't know. I, I've been I thought about it once or twice, but really? right now, yeah, I heard they have some some weird restrictions that just turn me off into it. But I guess the only thing I could think about because I know some people are going making mad bank over because they don't even own the homes that they Airbnb. It's the right. they go to landlords and rent from them and say, hey, I, hey man, I pay you fifteen hundred. And I'm going I'm to Airbnb this thing for 3500 a month. Yeah, but they're staging it. They're making it look amazing. Mm -hmm. but yeah, they're renting the furniture. Yeah. So yeah. I was thinking about Airbnb in this spot, see how it works out. Because it doesn't make sense to, um, it won't make sense to rent it. Like after everything, everything said and done, in order for me to rent the spot, I would be like 16, 1700 But that's not what people pay for mortgages over here. Or not even really rent. So Airbnb makes the most, to, I would be breaking even, which for, for just doing that. Yeah, just, I don't believe in having a headache just to break even. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Airbnb easily, you could, I, we could end up having over three grand a month if we keep this spot. Um, so that's definitely look at, I'll definitely tell you the experiences on that one. Uh, I've heard most, a lot of good things though. Yeah, but we're going to touch base. We're going to, we definitely want to touch base after this. And let's figure out, you know, sharing is caring, right? Share as much information with each other just to grow, you know? Yeah. Well, shoot, I, I appreciate you uh, doing this. We definitely got to get back up again because uh, yes, I want to hear. 2021 is going to be interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in how this year is going to be. And you know what I love to do for my next one? Bring on two or three surprise guests. Okay, cool. From the real estate industry. So maybe some, I got somebody, I actually have somebody in Virginia that I want to bring on. And I have some people here that I might want to bring on for the next one. So my third one, this is my second one. Your second season, your second episode, I'm here. By the third season, I'm going to bring three guests with me. All right, cool. I appreciate right? that, Kevin. All, All right. right, but before I go, I don't know if I said, did I sing my song last time? No, nah, you sing so. I gotta say, no, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> but check, check out my social media, Kevin Grimes Real Estate, and you'll 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 hear my song on there. Follow me on there for more information. All right. All right, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. Be good. Later.